0: My scripture is from John chapter 7, but you don't need to turn there, it will be on the screen behind me. Unlike Darren, I don't have 20 PowerPoints, I have one slide, (laughs) but I did put a lot of thought and prayer into it, so please enjoy my one slide. Um, There are scripture references under our main text for this morning, so I will be referencing lots of other Bible verses, but those are some main ones you can focus on, so feel free to take a photo of the screen if you need to. But yeah, it'll be up the whole time. So, before we get to John 7, I think it's important that we look at the broader context of John's book. John the Apostle is writing many years after the resurrection, many years after he had spent time with the Lord Jesus on earth, before he was crucified and before he was raised from the dead and ascended into heaven. And so, John begins his, his letter or gospel by saying, in the beginning was the Word and the word was with God, and the word was God. That's John's understanding of who this person is, Jesus. Because we read later on in chapter 1 that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And that word for dwelt in your Bible sometimes is translated tabernacle. The word came and he dwelt among us, he tabernacled among us. That is, it's like he pitched his tent among us. God came from heaven. God the Creator came down in the person of Jesus Christ, taking on our humanity, becoming the second Adam, lived a holy and blameless life, and He dwelt among us. This is a God who pursues sinners. This is a God who pursues us this morning, a God who loves us dearly, um, as Melva shared earlier, which is wonderful. And as we continue in the Gospel of John, You know, we come to um, various other things. We see a man by the name of John the Baptist, who's a different John. John the Baptist had many things to say about Jesus. John came preaching a baptism of repentance of sin. Turn from your wicked ways. Stop doing things that offend God and hurt man and turn back to the holy God of Israel. And he called men and women to be baptized, including the religious leaders. So this message is as much for us as it is for You know, the drug addict you may have walked past in Nambour on the way to church. This message is for every single one of us. The religious leaders needed to repent of their self-righteousness and their pride. And they needed to come down into the waters and be baptized, acknowledging that my old life needs to be laid down. I need to receive new life from God. I need to be washed from my sins. And when John the Baptist saw the Lord Jesus walking past, what did John say of him? He said, behold... The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's the place we can go to for cleansing. The Lord Jesus, behold that Lamb, that sacrificial Lamb who would take away the sins of the world. And what else did John say of him? John, John came baptizing a baptism of repentance and water. But he said, when Jesus, when he comes, I'm not worthy even to strap his shoes. But he will be the one who baptizes you in the Holy Spirit. And so we don't get confused with terms. The word baptize just means to immerse. It means to dip. Like if you go out in the rain, you're drenched in water. You are immersed in water. You are baptized in water. And so the Lord Jesus, when he came, he came to baptize us in the Spirit of God, to fill us with the Spirit of God. And he said, you will receive power when the Spirit has come upon you, power to be my witnesses. If we go along in John, maybe, uh, I don't know, we know John 3.16, God loved the world so much that he sent his son to die for us, that whoever believes on him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And that's the good news that we trust. You know, John chapter 4, this is one I don't have memorized, I have to look in my Bible. John chapter 4, we see the story of the woman at the well, and um, You know, Jesus asked this random Samaritan woman, you know, can I have a drink? And she's like, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For the Jews and the Samaritans had quarrels and they didn't have dealings with one another. But Jesus answered and said to her from John chapter 4, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman, still thinking physically, said, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I will give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And this is the exciting thing for us is we have a fountain of water this morning from the Lord Jesus that will carry on into eternity. You can destroy my body, but you can't take away the love of God in the Lord Jesus Christ. But nothing shall separate us from the love of God in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, not only in duration of eternal life, but quality of life, as Darren always says. You know, John 10, later on, it says, you know, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. So it's a life that you have now, as well as moving on into eternity. A closeness with God that you can have now. Um, There's a a revivalist that I'm a big fan of from the 1950s named Duncan Campbell. And he had... (laughs) Yes, he was of your lineage. He has your accent. Duncan Campbell had an encounter with God that totally rocked him. He was dying on 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 a field. Um, He'd been wounded in battle. I don't remember which battle it was. He was a young man. And he realized in that moment as he was dying, he was bleeding. And uh, he realized that he wasn't holy. He knew God. He had a relationship with God, but he didn't feel in himself that he was holy. And he remembered a prayer from his childhood from another preacher who said, Lord, make me as holy as a saved sinner can be. Lord, purify me. Make me as holy as a saved sinner can be. And he prayed that prayer as he was bleeding out on the battlefield, and he said he had an encounter with God because he ended up living. There was a miraculous thing that took place where a man found him and dragged him off the field, and he was nursed back to, to, to safety, but he had an encounter with God that he said was so powerful, he didn't think it was possible this side of eternity. A face-to-face encounter with the Lord Jesus, and it wasn't a vision. It was rivers of living water, rivers of purity, rivers of holiness. You know, in um, Romans it says, May the God of hope, this is Paul's desire, Paul's prayer for for the church, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you might abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And these aren't exaggerated words, this idea of being filled to the fullness, this idea of being filled with joy or rivers of living water. Continuing on in John, uh, John chapter skip five. Five is about receiving everlasting life. Six, John chapter six, Jesus multiplies bread and feeds 5,000. And there was a teaching lesson in this. He says, I am the living bread who has come down from heaven. He said that men may eat of me and not die. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever believes in me will never hunger. Whoever comes to me will never thirst. That was his proclamation of himself. And the Jews that were hearing this message were thinking of the manna that they were fed in the wilderness. They were thinking of the God who provided for them for 40 years after they'd been extracted um, out of Egypt, out of a life of slavery. God had been their deliverer. God had been their rescuer hundreds of years um, earlier. And Jesus said, I am that living bread who has come down from heaven to feed you, to sustain you in the wilderness. And now we come... Finally, to chapter seven, which is our text this morning. Not only is Jesus that manna, that living bread that has come down from heaven, but Jesus is also the water by which the Israelites drank from. Jesus is described as that rock that Moses struck and the water poured forth. And the whole of Israel, the millions of Israelites, God provided supernatural food and supernatural water for them in the wilderness so that they wouldn't perish. God was their sustainer. And we come to this story And we're at the end of a feast of the Jews called the Feast of Tabernacles. And um, that's why I brought up John 1, that Jesus tabernacled among us. God became flesh and tabernacled among us. So it's it's the end of the Feast of Tabernacles, which was a time of seven days where the Jews would go out every year and they would make for themselves temporary dwellings under the stars to remind themselves of where they came from, that they were once in the wilderness, being provided for by God, Um, And so Jesus comes along on this last day of the feast, and he cries out, If any man thirsts, let him come to me and let him drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And then John gives the commentary, this he spoke concerning the Holy Spirit, who those believing on him would receive, for the Holy Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus had not yet been glorified is, of course, speaking of his full mission of dying for the sins of the world, being raised from the dead, and then ascending to the Father. If I was to ask you this morning, what is your number one passion in life, what would it, what would it be? You don't have to shout it out, but I, I, I know a lot of you, and a lot of you know me. Sometimes I get obsessed about things. Sometimes you'll ask me, how was my week, and I'll tell you about some crazy thing I've been doing. So this week I'm going to tell you, so you don't have to ask me. I've been obsessing over lawnmowers. I've spent 30 hours watching YouTube video reviews on lawnmowers. So if you want to know anything about a ride-on lawnmower, the difference between a lawn tractor and a zero turn, the pros and cons, the fuel economy, the models. I'm your man. <laughs> what is your number one passion in life though? Getting, getting back to it. You know, not lawnmowers. Yeah, well, I have an acre, so for me, I need to be passionate about lawnmowers. I've been using a push mower. You don't get this skinny from not eating. Um, (laughs) Black is slimming, in case you're wondering. All right, so back to our message. This is terrible. We were going so well. Um, You know, some people I talk to, all you talk about is football. You know, you tell me all about the footy matches. Um, There's some people saying no pretty loudly. But there's a lot of people who love football. For a lot of my youth kids, they love soccer. Shout out for everyone who loves soccer. There's like two of my youth kids here, yay. <laughs> yeah, so soccer's really cool. What's some other passions we might have? I mean, I have a friend who's obsessed with golf. Photography. Photography. Yeah, any other passions you can shout out this time? You can shout out. Chickens. Who said chickens? So yeah, true story. I've just agreed to my wife that we can get, I said three, she said four chickens. So we're going back to chickens after having children. <laughs> not for KFC, chickens are, chickens are friends, not food. Oh dear. The scripture says, coming back. The scripture says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you wanna know what someone's most passionate about, it's usually what they're talking about the most. It's kind of like the saying, you are what you eat. Or what you're feeding on is what's going to come out. There was a time in my life when you know, I spent so much time listening to podcasts on cryptocurrency. Raymond. Um, <laughs> just kidding, man. <laughs> that um, crypto was all I talked about. Like, I really couldn't have a conversation without talking about cryptocurrency. But what I found is it drowned out my passion for Jesus. There was competing passions. And what I want us to bring back to this morning, come back to this morning, is the Lord Jesus is that fountain of water that we should be drinking from. It's not to say we can't have other passions, but we need things in their right order. Who is your first love? Who is your priority? Who is your life orientated to? Who has captured your entire heart? Who has filled your mind? Who are you meditating on? What are you meditating on? Is the Lord Jesus precious to you, so precious, like that, that man who found treasure in a field and sold all that he had to purchase that field, because he had joy over it? Is Jesus the joy of your life? Is he the overriding passion of your life? Um, just briefly, I've got an image on the screen of a river, because you know it's talking about river of waters, and I think it's important just to think briefly. About rivers, you know, what do rivers bring? Before we go any further, like, what would be the result of an overflow of a river in your heart? And, I mean, firstly, there's a lot of water. When I think of rivers, I think of a lot of water. I don't know what thoughts come to your mind, but lots of water. I also think it's a plurality of rivers. So it's uh, water that's going out in every direction. Um, water that's not just touching one area, but impacting multiple areas. And you can tell where a river's been, um, especially after a big rainfall, because What pops up? All this beautiful, green, lush vegetation. And and what do waters attract? Waters attract life. They attract creatures. And uh, the Jews understood the language of living waters. They understood it from the Old Testament. They understood it from experience. Living waters is in contrast to dead waters or stagnant waters. I'm sure you've come across a pond that has been a pond for a very long time. And uh, there are new species coming out of it because it is this slimy pond. Um, of stagnant water. And, you know, there's not new species coming out of it, by the way. That's very bad science. <laughs> Rivers of living water. Thank you. I didn't want to get rebuked by someone at the end. Rivers of living water. You know, there's life. If you're going to drink from water, you shouldn't be drinking from stagnant water. You should be drinking from water that's moving because it's, it's purifying And that's the kind of water we want from God. We want a water that washes, a water that cleanses, and a water that provides and brings fruitfulness and abundance. You know, I think of that psalm, Psalm chapter 1, where it talks about the righteous as like a tree planted by the rivers of water whose leaf isn't dry, who brings forth its fruit in season. Like, what a beautiful imagery of what it's like to be planted near the Lord Jesus. Now, Jesus said, as the scripture has said in this passage, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So he's bringing the Jews back to the Old Testament. And what is he declaring himself to be? He's declaring himself to be the God of Israel. He's not only the one who provided for them, you know, manna and water, but he is also that Yahweh, that Jehovah, um, who the Israelites worshipped. Now, for example, Isaiah 44.3 would have come to mind to some of the Jews. For I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. It's a promise from God. A promise that he would pour out his own spirit on those who are thirsty for him. And Jesus declares himself to be that God who would satisfy the Israelites. When Jesus was disputing with the Jews earlier in John chapter 5, Jesus said to his audience, you search the scriptures, that is the Old Testament, you search these scriptures, but in them you think you have life, but these are they which testify about me, but you will not come to me that you might have life. So Jesus's invitation is to come to him, come drink. If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. As I was thinking of this verse, and I was thinking of other Old Testament verses. There is another one. There's quite a few, but there's another one that comes to mind from Jeremiah chapter two, verse thirteen. And it's the God of Israel speaking again, and He says, "My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken Me, the Fountain of Living Waters, and hewn for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water." Israel had forsaken their God. Israel had gone after idols. And the God who describes himself as the fountain of living waters says to them, you've made these places to hold water. You've made these systems. You've crafted them with men's hands. But they're leaky vessels. They will not hold water. They might have the illusion of holding water, but they're not going to truly satisfy you. Have you ever tried filling a jug of water and found out that it has a leak? And by the time you've walked it over to where you were taking it, it's already half empty. It has the illusion of being full, but it's not truly full. You see, sin, the Bible says there is pleasure in sin for a season, but it's only a short season and in the end it brings death. So you might think, hey, I'm being filled up by this sexual satisfaction over here, or I'm being filled up by another new purchase of something over here, my covetous heart running wild. But these things are like broken systems that can hold no water. You need the water that can come from the fountain. Of living waters, because that water will sustain you all the way on into everlasting life. Do not forsake the fountain of living waters. Jesus said, "If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink." My first question for us—I've had lots of questions. This is what it says, though. My first question for us this morning is: Are you and anyone? You know, I use this when I evangelize. Sometimes, you know, there's a Jehovah's Witness who works for me, and um, he tries to tell me that there's only this special class of Christians who can receive the Holy Spirit and the rest of them miss out. And that's just wrong thinking, that's wrong believing. Because Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. This isn't just for preachers, this isn't just for us here in the room, this is for mothers, this is for children, this is for the homeless, this is for anyone, anyone who will thirst, let him come to me and drink. The only person who doesn't get filled is the person who doesn't come. You've got to come to the Lord Jesus and receive from him. Like he said, ask and you will receive and your joy will be full. What a promise from God. You know, it doesn't matter what age you are, you need these rivers of living water now, both to sustain you and also to give life to everyone else around you. In the same way that you've trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, you now need to trust in him as the baptizer in the Holy Spirit, the one who will fill you afresh with the power of God so that you can live for him, so that you can stand for him. How did you receive your salvation? It wasn't by trying to earn it. It wasn't by trying to bend God's will. It was by you simply going, thank you, Lord, for your gift. Thank you. I behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, and I thank you. You loved the world Lord that Christ you died for sinners and I acknowledge that I need that sacrifice I need your blood to bring cleansing that's how we receive salvation and so in the same way that's how you can receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit God I need power I lack strength Lord I lack wisdom fill me afresh I recognize that you are the fountain from which I can drink come and drink is what the Lord Jesus would say to us this morning Let's consider physical food for a moment. You know, we all know we should be eating healthy meals to, to, you know, be performing at our best. But have you ever reversed the order or tried reversing the order and having your dessert first? I've done it many times. You know, I picked out on Easter eggs pre Easter and then tried eating my main meal. And I ate my main meal, but it was hard because I was already like full of sugar and junk. And this is the same when it comes to. Our thirst or lack thereof for God. If you're feeding on junk food, if you're filling your mind with other things, you're not going to have room for God. You're not going to be an empty vessel, but you're going to be seemingly full, though a leaking vessel, because those things will not satisfy you. You know, if you spend hours in your night watching Netflix or hours watching the news, it's not that these things are sinful, but if they're stealing away your affections for the Lord Jesus so that in that whole day you've spent, you know, four hours binge watching Netflix or scrolling Facebook or on Instagram and then you're like, oh, I should probably read my Bible and you give God maybe five minutes before bed and you're kind of only doing it because you have to, that's not drinking from the Lord Jesus. That's You have no desire for Him. You've filled your mind with other things. You've lost the flame. Me personally, I need to be careful of this. I wake up in the morning some mornings and I get so excited about you know, looking at the news or scrolling my Facebook Reels or something like that. Maybe there's a big event happening. Maybe the share market's got a big move. And it's not wrong that I look at these things. You know, I'm in business. I like, you know, I like all of these things. They're really interesting to me. But the problem is if I've been doing that for an hour or two, and then I try to set aside time for God, I just don't want to seek Him. I just don't want to call upon Him. I just don't, I've lost the desire. But if first thing I make my coffee and I get before God and I say, God, Speak to me. God, I'm hungry. I've woken up you know, empty. Now come and be the bread of life. Be that living bread. Breathe that living water. The Lord will come. He'll fill me. And guess what will come out of me? When people talk to me at work, they'll see the radiance of Christ. When people ask me how my day is going, I'm going to tell them I'm full of joy in the Holy Spirit. I'll probably use language they'll understand. I'll probably just tell them God's been good to me. But I'll be talking about Him. I'll be passionate about Him. When an opportunity to share the gospel arises, I won't be talking about cryptocurrency. I won't be distracted by other things. I'll be like, hey, this is what I've actually been thinking on. I've been thinking about the Lord Jesus. Would you like to hear about him? You know, often we don't share our faith because we're just not passionate about him. I'm gonna talk about that at a subsequent time. I'm, I'm sharing next Sunday night on a, almost like a part B of this message. So if you haven't been along to one of the night services, it's more like an afternoon service because it starts at 4.30. But yeah, next Sunday night, if you want to hear like a part B to this, um, I'll be sharing on that. What it's like to show people that we have been with the Lord Jesus, shining with that radiance. Now, the Lord Jesus, he set forth a good example for us. It says in Mark chapter 1, it says, In the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, Jesus went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. If anyone didn't have time to seek God, it was Jesus. I mean, this guy was super famous. He had thousands of people following him, begging to hear his words, begging to touch his garment, begging to be healed by him. You know, they were bringing the sick on beds to him. So Jesus needed to wake up before daybreak and get alone to a solitary place to seek the Lord. And that's an example for us. We need to set aside a quiet time for God. It's been said by a famous preacher that all men thirst, but not all men thirst for God. So I hope this morning we can regain that thirst for God. Uh, There's another verse in Proverbs uh, 27 that says, A satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb. And it's that same concept that if we've been filling up on other things, we're not going to desire God. Just on this topic of being filled with the Lord Jesus, you know, some of us in this room have been struggling with, well, we're all struggling with sin, but some of us more than others. One of the ways that you can overcome sin as a believer is to be fully satisfied in Jesus. You know, one of the reasons we chase after other things is because we are like empty vessels longing to be filled. And if we're not filling up on the Lord Jesus, we're going to fill up on something else. And sin is that, like, sugar hit. That gives us that illusion of being full, but leaves us feeling low, leaves us feeling empty. Romans 13 says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts and desires. So if you put on the Lord Jesus, if you come to him, if you drink of him, you'll be satisfied. You won't be chasing other things. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will not fulfill And make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. That's good. My um, screen just completely reset itself. Thank you, Apple. Uh, St. Augustine said this. He said, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds rest in you. On Friday night at youth, um, we've had some YWAMers join our youth group just to help out. It's been really lovely and uh, I asked one of the YWAMers if I could share her testimony because she shared with us on Friday night of how she became a believer so she said she grew up in a Christian home and uh, yeah she went to school like a normal school but she started to feel a bit self-conscious and embarrassed about the fact that she was a Christian she was worried that people might think she's a goody-goody so she decided in order to fit in she needed to start drinking with her friends and she basically just caved into peer pressure and started getting involved in the partying scene to try to you know, fit in. It's that, it's that standard sort of story we've heard. What's interesting though is she said drinking alcohol never filled the void of her heart. It was never sustainable. It took the edge off things, but it never satisfied her. And I guess in the grace of God, when the COVID lockdowns uh, took place, she was separated from her peers. Um, She didn't have a lot of social contact, she was at home in isolation, and it was at that point that she decided to turn back to God, and so she opened her Bible and began building her relationship again with God. And um, yeah, when she rebuilt her relationship with God, she discovered that Jesus could fill the void of her heart in the way that alcohol never could. Um, She said sometimes she was still tempted to go back into alcohol. But she said now that she had the Holy Spirit dwelling in her and with her, um, every time she was tempted to go back into drinking and the party scene, the Holy Spirit would remind her of how empty she felt when she was pursuing these other things. And so God's very gracious. And in her case, he brought her back and she stayed satisfied in Jesus. She stayed full of the Lord Jesus. And so he asked her for a theme, you know, what would be a Bible theme for your life, like a motto. And she said it came from John chapter 15. And in her translation it said, Remain in me and I will remain in you. And that was the simple motto of her life. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Or as your Bibles might say, Abide in me and I will abide in you. And it's this idea like it says in James, Draw near to God and God will draw near to you. That's the simplicity of it. We don't need to make the Christian life complex. How do you build a healthier relationship with someone? You spend time with them. How can we spend time with the Lord Jesus in prayer, in his word, giving thanks, worshipping him? You know, we say we don't have time for God and I, I fully understand that now being a parent, not having time for things, but we need to make time. You know, we make time to make our meals, doing meal prep, we make time to watch television, we make time to check our phones. So we just need to find ways. We need to ask God for wisdom. In my case, I asked God, like, how can I seek you? I've got this little blob that wants me so badly, wants my attention. Um, And so I discovered, hey, I can go for a walk with him. And he's enjoying being in the pram, staring at the dogs going past and his morning walk. And while he's in the pram, I don't have to interact with Him. So I get to spend, you know, 40 minutes to an hour just worshipping God as I'm walking along, praying for Him, praying for my wife, praying for church, like, just spending time with Jesus. You can make time for God. No one is, too, is truly too busy to make time for God. You just aren't prioritising Him. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishes of men. And we read that the disciples immediately left their nets and followed Him. You see, in order to come to Jesus, the very act of coming to Him means putting down other things. We have to make a choice. What is most precious to us? You know, for me personally, I was getting too involved in crypto and the share market, too, too obsessed with it. And so I got rid of half my portfolio and just have like a very few number of shares that I focus on now so that I don't have to constantly check my phone. And that was what I needed to do. I needed to cut off the thing that was taking me away from the Lord. And it's been a massive blessing because now I can wake up in the morning and I don't have to quickly check all the news articles because there's a very few companies that I'm focused on. And so I can just focus on the Lord now. And so what is it in your life that you need to cut off, that you need to leave behind? Jesus said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. He hasn't changed his mind. If you want to be a follower of Jesus, you need to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. What does a thirsty man look like? Have you ever been so thirsty that it, like, water was the only thing you could think about? I tried to think of a scenario in my life. I couldn't think of it. I. Yeah, I don't recall of any, but you know, I hear stories of people who you know, get lost. You know, their car breaks down and they're away from the nearest town. They've got a long walk in, in the heat. And all they can think about is water, water. Now imagine if that person got into town, and a guy rocked up in a brand new Ferrari. Like, as exciting as that Ferrari is, it's, at that point, it's got no appeal to you. You're so thirsty for water. You don't care about the Ferrari. Say Brad Pitt walks past on the street. Wow, famous actor. You know, I don't think you'd be rushing over to him to get an autograph. You're so thirsty. All you want is water. You don't care about the business promotion. You don't care about, you know, what's on the TV screens. All you care about is water. And that's the kind of thirst. That's what thirst does to us. And we need to be thirsting for God. I want to tell you um, a bit about my story. So... I had my first powerful encounter with God when I was 20 years old, and what happened was I went through a period of thirsting, not because the scripture said to thirst, but it just I got disillusioned with my church, I got disillusioned with a whole bunch of things, and I started thirsting for God, and so what that looked like in my life is I would leave my house and I would go for a walk on the beach, because I lived near the beach. And so I would walk up and down the beach singing songs to God. Um, Sometimes songs that we sing at church and other times I would just make up worship songs to God. Just maybe a few words, you know. Jesus, you're my healer or something like that. Jesus, you're my saviour, whatever. And I would just worship God and pour out my heart to Him, pour out my complaints, just share myself with Him, just give myself fully to Him um, and pour out my heart to Him. And that, that thirst also looked like Um, There was a set time on the radio at the time before uh, the radio station became SALT, um, had a different name, can't remember, Rima, yeah, when it was Rima, yeah, Rima was great, Um, I used to listen to uh, John MacArthur, I think it was at like 6.30 at night, Um, he had half an hour on, on the radio, and so I'd get in my car and I would park it by the water, and that was my half an hour where I just attentively listened to the word of God being preached, And so the combination of that and me walking the beaches was me thirsting for God. I was hungry for the word of God. I was hungry for God. Um, But I didn't really know exactly what I was thirsting for. Like, I I didn't know what I'd expected the answer of it all would be. But one night, I came home after going for about maybe a 40-minute walk. And I looked up in the sky, and I looked at the stars. And I just said, wow, God, you're amazing. Like, look at these stars. Look how beautiful they are. Like, you created all these stars. You created the heavens. You created the earth. And I just started thanking God. Previously, I had spent a lot of time just asking God for things. God, you know, help me with this. You know, God, show me my future. God, give me a wife. you You know, ask, 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 all these things. And I stopped making all these requests. And I just beheld God in all of his beauty, in his handiwork. You know, the heavens declare the glory of God. And as I was looking at creation and giving him thanks, um, I just got this little hungry appetite in my, in my stomach, like a little grumble. And I just immediately just clicked into, oh, it's time to eat. So I just walked straight back to the house, didn't even say goodbye to God. Walked straight back to the house. It was quite a, like maybe a, I don't know, 20 meters or so. I got into the garage and there's a door and I touched the door handle. I better not walk into the fallback. I touched the door handle and immediately a voice spoke to me and said, are you leaving me for some bread? And I jolted my hand off the door and the verse flashed before my eyes, call upon me while I'm near. And So I ran back outside and it was as if I had run into the very throne room of God. There was no visual image, um, nothing like external in that sense, but I just knew that I was connected to God in that moment. And so I spent maybe another, I don't know, 10 minutes just worshipping and giving God thanks and telling him how wonderful he is. First thing I said to him actually was, far be it from me, Lord, that I should leave you for some bread. That was just straight off my lips. Far be it from me that I should leave you for some bread, God. You're way better than bread. When I used to share this testimony with people, I used to change it to, are you leaving me for some food? Because I thought it's weird to say, are you leaving me for some bread? And that's how I interpreted it, was food. Anyways, I went back upstairs after 10 minutes. I ate my meal. Before I ate my meal, I looked up and I was like, thank you, God, for my food, and I started eating. I'm like, that's weird. I've never thanked God for my meals before. I used to think that that was something religious that people did when they, um, you know, over meals, give thanks. I used to hate doing that, because I just thought it was such a, a ceremony. I was like, man, that was weird, giving thanks. I'm like, I wonder if God's still outside. So I ran back outside, and sure enough, It was like walking straight back into the throne room outside. God was right there. And all of creation seemed to declare the glory of God. I saw a bird fly overhead. I'm like, man, wow, thank you so much, God, for that bird. That bird's amazing. Everything was singing. When I got to work the next day, I just had the joy of God on my face. And people actually said to me, they said, "Um, what are you on? (laughs) Which I don't think is a whole lot different to the disciples being accused of drunkenness on the day of Pentecost. These men aren't drunk. I wasn't slurring my words. I was just enraptured with the love of God. I was enraptured with Him. He was the most precious thing in the world to me. And um, it wasn't until actually years later that I realized that language, are you leaving me for some bread, is a Bible verse. It's strangely enough that the one time God audibly spoke to me, He spoke to me from Isaiah chapter 55. Um, which is not something I memorized. Uh, it's not something it was even in my mind. I may have read it at some point in my life, but Isaiah is not one of my favorite books. I just would have, um, sorry for you fans. I like it now. I love it now. Like Isaiah 55 is amazing. Isaiah 55, let me read it to you. I want, this to, I want you to realize how passionate God is about you coming to him. Isaiah 55 says, "'Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk, without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me, and eat what is good, and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear and your soul shall live. And I didn't even realize till like months after, because I didn't get that far. But later in Isaiah 55 is the verse, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Which is the very word that flashed in my mind after he spoke to me. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. T- And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. And Isaiah 55 ends with, For you will go out with joy and be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth into singing before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. All of creation, celebrating and rejoicing. I don't want this to be about me. This isn't about me being someone special. I'm nothing special. I thirsted for God and God fulfilled his promises. If any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. I want to read that invitation again. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. That's his invitation to you, is that you can come to him without price. The Lord Jesus is inviting you to come this morning some of you are thinking, I've already received the Holy Spirit. That's true. You know, if you're a believer in Jesus, you don't don't need to receive something new as such. But we can do things that can grieve the Spirit of God. We can do things that can quench the Spirit of God, the Scriptures say. And that language of quenching is like taking a bucket of water and tossing it on the fire. You know, some of you this morning have been content to live with a little trickle. You know, Jesus didn't say, if you first come to me and have a sip, And out of your heart will flow a little trickle. He didn't say that. He said torrents of living water. Large amounts of water. D.L. Moody once said, The fact is we are leaky vessels. And we need to keep right under the fountain all the time to keep full of Christ. And so as to have a fresh supply. Sin separates us from God. It drives a wedge between us and God. If you were here for Kenny's message last Sunday evening... Uh, Kenny shared the idea that we can displace the Holy Spirit, that we allow other things into our vessel, and he used the imagery of rocks being dropped into water, and then the vessel holds less water. But when we get right with God, those rocks are removed, and the water overflows again. You know, in the height of Moody's ministry, D.L. Moody was a famous evangelist from 100 years ago, um, there was an evangelistic campaign happening, sort of like a Billy Graham campaign in the town, and they said, "Who's going to be the keynote speaker for this meeting?" And one of the preachers said, "Well, why don't we let D.L. Moody come, and he can be, you know, he can speak at this big, you know, multi-thousand-person gathering because, you know, it's D.L. Moody." And another person felt rather insulted by that, and he said, um, "Why Moody?" Does D.L. Moody have a monopoly on the Holy Spirit? I guess it's the language they used back then. Does D.L. Moody have a monopoly of the Holy Spirit? And someone else in the room said, no, but the Holy Spirit has a monopoly on D.L. Moody. When you yield your body completely to the Lord Jesus Christ, you come to Him saying, Lord, fill me. I don't want to be filled with sin any longer. I don't want to be filled with other pursuits. The Lord God will fill you to overflow. I know another pastor in Queensland and uh, he was wanting to be used by God and uh, the Lord spoke to him one day and said, I cannot use you because I do not own you. We've got to give ourselves completely to him. This is the end of my message so um, I'm not going to labor this much longer but there's one last question and that is how is it that we can drink you know, the scripture says, If any man thirsts, let him come to me. We've got that. We can come to you, Lord. But how do we actually drink? The act of drinking is the act of believing, it's the act of receiving from God, receiving what he's promised us. It says in Psalm 34, verse 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. So when we come to him, when we trust in him, when we give him thanks, like I said before, we believe him for the forgiveness of sins. Thank you, God, that you've taken away my sins. Now we can come to him this morning and say, thank you, God, that you've given me the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, that you can be those rivers of living water in my life. Thank you that you can supply my need and you can supply the need of others around me. I met a woman at a dog park um, a couple of weeks ago. And we were talking about Christ because it turned out she was a Christian. And I encouraged her because she was moving into an old people's village. I said, Oh, that's great. You'd have an opportunity to share Christ with all those people in your community. And she's like, Oh, there's no point in sharing Jesus with people because nobody listens. And I said to her, I, I just used this as an opportunity to encourage her. Listen, the Bible says that you'll receive power when the Spirit has come upon you, power to be my witnesses. And I said, We need to come back to God. We need to get filled up again so that we can effectively share for the Lord Jesus. The world will know that Jesus is alive, that he's been raised from the dead. If you have been in contact with the living God, they'll sense that he's alive because they'll be like, man, he's real to you. And is that going to be the message that comes across? He's real to you? I'd like to uh, invite the worship team back on. It's up to you how you want to respond this morning as the worship team leads us in a few songs. I had thought about laying hands on people and praying that you might receive the Holy Spirit, but the majority of us in here have the Holy Spirit. If you've trusted in Christ, you already have the Holy Spirit. It's not something that you need imparted to you if you already have Him. But what you need to do is repent of sin. You need to deny yourselves. You need to come to Him dropping your nets like the disciples. Immediately they left their nets and they followed Him. So I'm inviting you during worship to come to the Lord Jesus. Come to Him for cleansing. Come to Him for renewal. It's been said that we don't have revival because we are content to live without revival. I don't want us to be content this morning. I don't want us to be content with the trickle when He has promised us fountains of living water, rivers. You can have more of God. You don't need a supernatural experience like an angel or a voice from heaven. But what you do need is you need a fresh pouring out of the Spirit of God so that you be strengthened with His might in the inner man. If you don't know the Lord Jesus this morning, you can come to Him. You can call upon His name. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. As John said, behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. Behold the Lord Jesus and thank Him for His mercy. If you don't know Jesus, I'm going to be at the front afterwards. You can talk to me and I can lead you to Christ. I can show you how you can drink from that fountain. So if you don't know Jesus, if you've not committed your life to Him, Feel free to come see me afterwards. But for the rest of us, don't come to me. Come to the Lord. He's your shepherd. He's your teacher. He's your fountain. He is the bread of life. He is the living bread which came down so that when you eat of him, you will be fully satisfied. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never hunger. He who believes on me will never thirst. That's the promise of our Lord. Let's worship him together. (music) Thank <music> you.